Prime Minister of uh, Lithuania, Ingrida Šimonite, thank you for speaking with Latvian TV. Thank you for having me. Uh, first, of course, I find it interesting personally that the Latvian TV is meeting Lithuanian Prime Minister in Estonia in, Estonia, in Tallinn. Here, of course, Estonia is holding the presidency of the Baltic Assembly here. Uh, so you were also meeting Prime Ministers of the Latvian Estonia today, taking part in the conference. Uh, Lots to discuss between the three leaders? Well, I think uh, the things we discuss are quite the same uh, all the time because we have all the same worries. Uh, it's the security of our region that we want to ensure all together and with our international partners. It's the multiple projects that we implement together. So, uh, and of course it's Ukraine now, uh, since the invasion in 2022. So, uh, the, the issues we discuss uh, are quite the same all the time, but the situation changes, the situation is dynamic. So, of course, there are always something new to, to speak about. And something to coordinate, probably, Absolutely. amongst yourselves. Absolutely. And uh, one of them is energy, also one of the uh, top issues mm -hmm. discussed here in Tallinn between the Prime Ministers. Uh, energy security has been almost, almost 10 years since Lithuania opened its LNG terminal in Klaipeda. Yeah. Uh, there were some discussions at the time, uh, we all remember, but uh, still that was a great seems input into energy security for Lithuania, but still uh, things are remain to be done for Lithuania. Well, uh, the only thing that, uh, I mean, the only part of puzzle that is missing, uh, but this is for all the Baltic countries, is uh, disconnecting from the IPS, UPS and from the Russian electricity grid. Because otherwise, I think the, uh, the other challenges are the same. Development of alternative uh, or renewables, uh, to, to use a more precise word. Uh, to become self-sustainable, to ensure uh, enough generation for, for our business and our households. So I don't think there's any, any, particular, any particular interest of a particular country because this is a, the, 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 the joint responsibility and the joint worry um, and the joint effort. Uh, but in terms of uh, independence, in terms of security, I think we are pretty much fine now on the gas supply. Uh, we are uh, not importing any Russian oil anymore because the refinery that works in, in Majeke is not using Russian oil for, for the manufacturing of the products. And we do not use electricity from Russia or Belarus for commercial purposes. But the technical situation is still there and this is something we want to get rid as fast as possible. To enhance the security even more, we will return to that a bit later, the security in Ukraine. Before that, uh, about, a bit about economic issues. Mm -hmm. Just a few days ago, Lithuanian parliament uh, approved your government's proposal about so-called uh, temporary solidarity contribution to all mm -hmm. the banks. Uh, they will have to pay uh, a levy uh, in the state coffers yeah. amid the soaring uh, profits they have. Levy is 60% uh, of the bank's net interest income that exceeds four-year average by more than 50%. 50 mm. Banks are criticizing that. Oh, no surprise. Mm. <laughs> but uh, Why do you think the levy is necessary? Uh, absolutely, because otherwise we would not have uh, introduced that to the parliament. Because the, the reason why it happened, I mean, you look at the, at the profits that banks are earning now, 
they are uh, times higher than at the same period in the past. Why is it so? Because of the changes in, uh, in monetary policy by ECB and the increase of interest rates. Um, a very strange situation happened because um, in our region, most of the banks, I think uh, most of the portfolio of the low portfolio is portfolio that is uh, uh, based on uh, floating interest rate, not on fixed. And this is very different from the Eurozone. And uh, when you have a change in Euribor, you have immediate income, despite the fact that you are not doing anything, sort of, there, there, there is no change. But on the other side, the banks, the banks are uh, getting significant revenues from, the, from their loan portfolio, but on the uh, expenditure side, there is no expenses because banks do not need liquidity. They have uh, plenty of liquidity that they've accumulated during COVID because of vast state support schemes that the, the, the states were supporting businesses and households and the stocks um, of liquidity in the banks are really abundant. And so much of this liquidity now stays in the European Central Bank, also earning revenue of the uh, major interest rate that, that ECB states. So all of a sudden, um, the, this is not the profit you know that you earn because uh, you, you have higher demand, because you have higher sales, because your business is more efficient. This is just because the central bank has decided to, to change the monetary policy and it is happening very quickly. So uh, we think that this is not even a profit. This is a rent rather than a profit. Uh, and that's why we decided that this uh, temporary profit that is above the certain uh, average that we say, okay, uh, let that be the, the sort of the increase of the profits for the banks uh, should be withdrawn for the, for the state budget. And the state budget will use it only for projects related to military mobility and uh, military infrastructure for the, for the NATO partners. Because these are short-term money that will go away quite soon when the monetary policy changes and it, it sort of uh, uh, alleviates in, in a, in a, in a mid-term perspective. And the expenditure is also very concrete and very uh, sort of fixed in time in the nearest few years. So uh, we decided to bump that, to, to, to make it a package mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it's within the interest also of the banks that the countries where they operate uh, would be secure and would feel secure because this is about the business prospects of all the businesses, but also all the banks and their, uh, their mortgage holders and, and their clients. So basically in this time when they have uh, abundant profits, that's uh, so to make them to, to put an input into the states. Yeah, because uh, you know, it, it is also a question of morale, because some people mm -hmm. would say that whatever profit is a profit, so it's earned, and why, why do you make something special about it? So uh, I will put an, an example of, um, of a company that was part of the uh, vaccine production chain uh, that is operating in Lithuania. Well, there was vast uh, demand for vaccines, and they were like tripling or quadrupling their production, uh, and their profits were uh, increasing very sharply. I mean, that was understandable because this was because of higher production and because of higher demand. 
And the, the, the situation that happens in the, in, in, in the banking sector is different. It's not because of, uh, uh, of new uh, loans or new activities or more efficient activities. It's because of activities of the central bank. And it would be good that Eurozone Central Bank would uh, mitigate those effects itself. But since it did not happen, then you either leave the profits to the banks, uh, meaning that the shareholders are earning three times more than usually. And this is for, uh, not, not, for better, not for better performance, but for, for other reasons. Or you uh, do something uh, uh, like, like our parliament decided, uh, like government introduced. You take part of this as a, as a revenue. And of course, you do not want to make populist decisions on this. So that we will increase pensions or salaries or something because these are constant commitments and the money are temporary. That's why we attach the money to the temporary needs of the very concrete infrastructure projects that we have to implement within the same time frame. And we think this is, this is fair enough. Defense infrastructure projects, uh, NATO is drawing up uh, fresh plans how to defend its allies, mm. especially in our part of the world or here, uh, in terms of readiness and uh, uh, defending uh, uh, our territories from the first centimeters, from the first moments, if something happens. Um, Main challenges still for Lithuania, for the Baltic states? I mean, there's been commitments. What do you see the steps forward? Implementation. Mm. Because it's always about implementation and allocation of the adequate resources that are needed for the implementation of the plans that are written on the paper. So I think uh, this is the most uh, crucial, as always, because planning is one thing, mm. and a good plan is a good start, but then execution is the key. So when you come to the execution part, it depends that also partners not only uh, say that these plans are good plans, uh, but they also uh, allocate enough resources to implement the plans, which means that for some countries, uh, it, uh, it might need a shift from their previous understanding of defense spending to a different paradigm, something that our countries did years ago. And now we are, all of us are above the NATO threshold and we do not think this is a ceiling, this is a, a low <laughs> line, so to say. But for uh, quite many of our partners, 2% of GDP defense spending is still uh, a long haul to, to go. That is changing. Yeah, it is. And it is good news. But uh, the bad news is that uh, it is not changing fast enough, I would say. Now, uh, Latvia, you might have heard, uh, probably is reintroducing the uh, mandatory military service. Yes. Um, since uh, uh, Russia's full-scale invasion last year, Lithuania uh, reintroduced it in its form in 2015, yes. a year after Crimean after annexation. Um, so it's, it's based on voluntary or lottery system, a few thousand uh, conscripts a year. Is that right? Uh, so the system you have had, has it um, justified itself, this decision to reintroduce it? Well, as a matter of fact, we are discussing even further steps because mm. we are uh, discussing that uh, this is not enough mm. and that at some point, uh, at least part of the, uh, of the political landscape would argue for, uh, for, for a mandatory conscription. 
because uh, for everybody uh, now at least for all the all the young men mm. but uh, but of course for this you need an infrastructure you need uh, officers and everything so it is uh, it is a process and we still are uh, debating the, the the political issue because not all the parties across the spectrum agrees although we agree on other issues related to to defense and security and we have a national agreement that was uh, signed by all the parliamentary parties so this is the only caveat that uh, parties have a different different opinion on so we've reintroduced the uh, conscription a couple of years ago after Crimea as you rightly mentioned and now we think that this is not enough I mean at least uh, at least my party would, would, would claim this is not enough and we must widen this so we increasing also the numbers but uh, at some point we uh, might come to the situation where we will be debating the uh, the mandatory conscription um, Provided uh, we have uh, infrastructure and 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 also officers that 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 are needed for this. Something like it's in here in Estonia or Finland. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the more people you have uh, who know how to defend the country, the more secure you feel. Yeah, because there have been some debates, also some voices in Latvia, of course, as the debates went on. Do we really need it? Do we need it? Do we not? Yeah, that was the same actually in in uh, Lithuania when it was cancelled in 2008 because uh, people thought now we're NATO, so oh, why worry? Maybe this is you know this uh, you just need a professional army, and and that's it. And this uh, this proved to be a, a very uh, very dangerous illusion, I would say. And it's good that we've reintroduced the mandatory, uh, the, uh, the conscription. Uh, we're expanding it. Uh, of course, it needs uh, to be matched with infrastructure and, uh, and the personnel. But, uh, but I think uh, in the region where we live, uh, with the understanding of Russia, what it is, what, it, what is Russia's stance against its neighbors and NATO, I mean, the long-term stance, their posture, their Uh, military doctrine, if you might wish, uh, for, for the next 10 years or, or, or 20 years. Um, that would be quite, um, uh, I would say, unprofessional not to have uh, very, uh, very high on your agenda the need to prepare as many people as as possible. Do you think Russia is setting sights on the Baltic states as well? You know, uh, uh, their new doctrine says that they will place uh, significant uh, resources on the eastern border with NATO, or NATO's eastern border, western border of Russia with NATO. And this posture, at least in inwards uh, is very similar to the posture of the Cold War. Uh, the only difference is that now we are on that side of the Iron Curtain rather than where we've been in, in the end of in the second half of 20th century. And this is the, the good part of the story. But the posture itself is, is quite, uh, quite threatening. And we might think that Russia is losing immensely in Ukraine. Uh, it is suffering, uh, the losses of uh, personnel, officers and everything. Yes, this is true, but this is true only partially. If Russia will be allowed to rebuild, it will rebuild, regroup and will threaten their neighbors again. 
So uh, what forms will that take? I don't know, but I don't see that the pressure will be reduced significantly, at least um, in, in terms of posturing. Do you think we are entering a new era of Cold War? It looks like that, unfortunately. NATO summit in Vilnius uh, in two months. Um, I mean, Ukraine will be, of course, also one of the top issues there. Uh, Ukrainian president has been invited to attend personally. Uh, what would you expect should be the message of NATO or decisions uh, taken regarding Ukraine in Vilnius? It is a question that I think uh, is one of the of the most uh, important in, in the agenda of the meeting. But uh, I'm not sure I can phrase that, you know, in very particular words. I want to mention a couple of things. The message must be pretty clear and it must be pretty clear in terms of that this this is much more than, you know, uh, the, the, the phrase that the doors are open. We know the doors are open. But uh, this is not enough. I mean, there must be practical steps, practical milestones uh, showing the way of uh, Ukraine towards the NATO membership. And uh, we have lots of diplomats and wise people to, to work on the specificities and, 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 the, and the wording and the, and the agreements. And they are doing this uh, as we speak. Uh, because what, what is important, it is important that contrary to Budapest, that was a big mistake, uh, where uh, Ukraine was not offered the membership action plan, uh, contrary to Budapest, it would be very clear that Russia has no say on Ukraine's NATO aspiration. Because in that part of history, 2008, Russia had a say, unfortunately, and that was a big mistake. So this time it should be clear, whatever words we put, whatever concrete agreements we, uh, we make, whatever the milestones are, but it, is, it must be very clear that Ukraine will be in NATO and Russia has no say whatsoever on this issue. Yes, especially the Baltic states certainly support that. I think there's almost competition among the Baltic states who supports Ukraine the most no, in terms of GDP so. per capita. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's maybe the the outer world that mm. would arrange all those contests and competition and try to rank the countries, but I think it makes no sense because mm. our concept, uh, our idea, and I think this is also the idea of Latvian government and Estonian government, is that we do as much as we can. Every time we find something suitable to give to Ukraine, whether that is weapons or energy things, uh, as, as it was during autumn and winter when Russia was attacking the civil infrastructure, especially energy infrastructure. So whatever we can do, or whether this is a political support or, or other, other, other ways we, we, we can help, we do this. And I'm not doing this to be more pro-Ukrainian than, you know, Poland or, or Latvia or Estonia. I know that we are on the same page, we're in the same boat, this is our war, and that's why we, we stay committed. Now, over the past weeks, there's been lots of talk of Ukrainian counterattack and uh, great expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, the level of those expectations have varied uh, and fluctuating all the time. We don't know when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. What are your expectations of the Ukrainian counterattack? Well, my uh, expectation is that Ukraine once again 
show the world that it has a very professional leadership, very professional people who are fighting for Ukraine each and every day. And they know how to do things, they know what they need for their fight, and, uh, and they can, uh, they can uh, continue winning and expelling the uh, occupier out of the territory of the country. So, uh, you know, uh, some people uh, tend to uh, look at this counter-offensive in a way like, you know, Eurovision Song Contest, that there will be like one evening where everything is decided. This is, uh, this is war. So it continues. The fighting continues every day. Every day people are dying. Every day there are some uh, operations and some decisions that are being made. And I fully uh, trust the, uh, the uh, competence of, of the authorities in Ukraine, also in, in the army of Ukraine, and I think that they will do all the best. And for us, it is just a, you know, an, a mandate and, uh, and a must to support Ukraine as long as it, it is needed. Because some people would say that uh, Ukraine has just this one chance for counteroffensive, and then the, uh, the support will stop for some reason. It cannot stop. Because there might be a need for another counteroffensive and many counteroffensives. Hopefully not, but I mean, this is, this is war. You never know. And uh, the, the point is that we stay uh, with Ukraine and we do whatever is needed as long as it is needed. Ingrida Shimonita, Prime Minister of Lithuania, thank you so much. Thank you.